Welcome everyone to the Atomic Cinema Experiment. I am Peter and joining me as always is Tara. Greetings citizens. This is a science fiction movie podcast. We get together, we talk about a movie that we've watched. It's that simple. And because we have the new film, Godzilla vs. King Kong, coming up, we are going to be working through the previous films and the shared universe, I guess. Now, let's be honest, it's basically just the Godzilla franchise, but there's also a King Kong movie that mm-hmm. is then going to be shoehorned into the next one. Uh, so, and yes, I know, there's there's the one thing, they've got the one group called Monarch who kind of ties it all together, but it, it they feel fairly separate up until this new one. But anyway, uh, so this is the start of that modern series where we're going to talk about 2014's Godzilla, directed by Gareth Edwards. I can't believe this movie is seven years old already. Uh, I feel ancient time is moving. Uh, it's like, Time keeps on ticking. <laughs> it's the opposite Into of uh, the future. When, when they show like the flash, and like everything slows down because he's moving so quickly. It's like the opposite mm-hmm. of that. Everything's just whizzing by me, and I'm like, what? <laughs> why am I so slow? Why is everything else moving so quick? Yeah, it happens. So obviously, we've both seen this before. We both saw us in theaters. Uh, we both have opinions on this, uh, and we actually happened. To, I just I know that we line up in this fairly well. Uh, and we've talked about this one before we have I think it was on some of our list even it probably was which even that even that tells you kind of where the conversation is likely going to be viewing opinion wise but uh because not everyone loves this movie there are there are people who hate it that and is true in fact when we get to the end of the show and i do the uh the one star reviews segment uh on imdb there's some some <laughs> there's a, a number of some them. good ones there's a number of them yeah uh, i saw the film with my sister and I remember when we left the, the theater, I was so hyped and like wanted to talk about it. And she was just like, eh, not very good. Like, what? <laughs> I was so surprised. Like, did we not just watch the same thing? Um, but she was a big Brian Cranston fan. So I think because the, the trailers were sort of selling Brian Cranston versus Godzilla. <laughs> That's not really what the movie is. No, but the the trailers do really say, like, this is going to be, like, he's the star. That's not Godzilla. He's the human that you're going to be watching. And that's really not what the movie is at all. Yeah, the the number one complaint that tends to pop up with Godzilla 2014 is that there's not enough Godzilla, not enough monsters, and the movie is actively a cock tease. And that's actually, that last part is partially true. Because yeah. especially after the first time I watched it, whenever I get to the, there's a moment where fighting's starting, but there's like doors shutting in the foreground. And yeah. this is the second time it's kind of cut away from like the start of a fight that mm-hmm. I, I I laugh every time I get to that shot now. I actually, I, I, I maniacally laugh because I think it's funny that I know mm-hmm. so many people are pissed off at this moment. Yeah. I <laughs> love the cock tease. <laughs> Please don't edit that out. <laughs> but like it is it, it is really good like it's so great when you actually get to see the full fight i know what you meant there but you said i love the cocktails please don't edit that out as if you're really determined <laughs> no leave that in i want that in. that is such a good line leave that in <laughs> i mean yeah both ways that and please don't make it its own thing <laughs> yes yeah. i think um i've definitely heard that complaint a lot but i think that it is what makes the movie worth the two hours runtime like 
because we just keep getting these little glimpses of the monsters. And then when we finally get to see them, it's just such a release. Like, yes, this is what I've been waiting for. It's like a, it's like watching a, a porno or something. <laughs> You're really coming out with the, the quotes today, aren't you? The, the one-liners. <laughs> I think... <laughs> I, I think there is a little bit of a, yeah, maybe Gareth Edwards is a fan. I don't know. A porn? <laughs> I think there's a little bit taken from that. I just, I'm imagining the new DVD box set that's coming out and it's just quotes from Tara on the cover. I love the cock tease. <laughs> Gotta see this movie, yeah. <laughs> and it's like a porn. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. I'm not ashamed I, I, of that, yeah. <laughs> I appreciate the build-up. I, I appreciate the, the teasing. And I I think this movie treats the monsters, particularly Godzilla, but it treats the monsters with a sense of reverence and awe mm-hmm. that they really are this special, godlike entity that we, we don't even belong no, it's in not their our world. world. Yeah. yeah. Once uh, they show up, it's like, oh, we don't, we, we shouldn't be here. Yeah, because there's a line from uh, Sarazawa at one point in the movie, played by uh, Ken Watanabe, where he says something to the effect of, it's right before the line from the trailer, you know, let them fight. It's right before that, where he says, you know, our great hubris, you know, man or human's great hubris is that we think we control nature and it's not the other way around. And, like, so much of the movie's kind of, like, yeah, like, as soon as nature decides to do anything, it's as if nature's a sentient thing that decides to do Mm -hmm. something, but... Once, if nature's going to rebel, if nature's going to do something extreme, we really can't do anything about it. <laughs> like, it is just a force. And it's kind of like, I don't know if it goes too far into this territory, but in the way that the original film, the original Godzilla, was this allegory for the atomic bomb, and obviously there's some references to that in this, you could almost argue that this film is trying to treat the monsters more of just, I don't want to quite say climate change, but more just nature kind of fighting back and balance being restored. Because if, if you th- mm-hmm. if you apply it to the real world, then the balance that needs to be restored is because we've messed up the climate. <laughs> because we did this. We we yeah. did all these things. Uh, and Godzilla doesn't give a shit about your cities. No, he does not. He does not. <laughs> to, well, to an extent. I actually, I'm usually enough, because this came out a year after Man of Steel, and I remembered cracking a joke after I saw Godzilla, the Godzilla actually did more of made more effort to avoid unnecessary destruction than Superman did <laughs> in Man of Steel. And it's true. There's a scene specifically in this movie where Godzilla avoids hitting a bridge and actively mm-hmm. like blocks rockets that are going to hit a school bus full of kids. Like Godzilla yeah. saves lives in this movie. Yeah. <laughs> he does. Well, he's got to because he is our hero. Yes. Uh the the, the military in the film are not the brightest bulbs in, in, in the world, I'll, I'll say. Yeah. So they're like the military in all films. <laughs> That's not true. I feel like if you watch a Michael Bay movie, they're, they're, they're painted as the, the, the best of the best and they'll be walking against the sunset and yeah. it'll be very epic and it's like, yeah, hoorah! I was thinking, like, do I like Aaron Taylor Johnson in this movie? Because I'm not really sure. He's a bit, like, <laughs> dead-eyed and... <laughs> and you know there's a lot going on around him but he's super reserved the whole time and i will say i don't mind his character i know like everything conveniently happens to him and that's you know whatever writing they're just trying to put a character that you follow throughout the film and 
but like I know EOD, I know Marines and Navy and all that, and they're kind of like that. <laughs> <You know? laughs> they're a little dull. <laughs> the character's dull. Trust me, it's accurate. All right, trust yeah, me. Yeah, a little bit. This guy would be it. Would be this dull. Uh, yeah, I mean, well, also when things are, you know, when chaos is happening, they have to be reserved. They're kind of uh, like um, the astronauts in 2001 A Space Odyssey, not the only comparison we'll be making to that film today, but <laughs> they're also a little bit like a lot's happening and they're kind of dull when you watch it. But like, those are the type of people who become astronauts, like, because they can keep cool under pressure. They're dull. But those are the kind of people that become astronauts. Yeah. The slap, the slap in the face. The They're Buzz not dull Aldrin. on paper, but like but, to talk to them would probably kind of be boring. The slap in the face that Buzz Aldrin just got <laughs> was momental, momentous, I should say. Yeah. If I have a complaint, if there's a complaint, if there's a legitimate complaint to be had about this movie, right? Assuming you're fine with what we are fine with, which is the teasing and mm-hmm. leaving most of the fight until the the, the 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 last twenty minutes, that's all fine. If you're cool with that. I think the legitimate complaint you can have, and it does kind of make me chuckle every time I watch it, I might laugh at it a little bit more, is how conveniently all the action seems to constantly take place wherever Aaron Taylor-Johnson is. <laughs> like, you know, like, he he obviously goes to Japan because that's where his father, Brian Cranston, is, and he's up to something, and that, that starts off the movie's proper plot. And mm-hmm. then, after all the chaos, things happen, there are big inciting incident, if you will, uh, then... It just so happens that the monsters end up in Hawaii, whereas where he ends up, because that's where him he's trying, he's trying to, get to get home. He's yeah. going to Hawaii because he lives in San Francisco and he's going to get a flight from Hawaii to San Francisco because he was on one of the big warships and they give him a helicopter to Hawaii because they're kind of close enough. Yada yada. Yeah, there's, there's, there's bases a, in Hawaii. Makes sense. There's a moment in the movie where the military are looking at the the projections. Okay, we think this is where the, the mutals are going. The mutals are being or the 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 the, the, the bad monsters, right? Yeah. And this is this is where we're, we're, we're the path, the trajectory is going here. They're going towards the west coast of the United States, and you see in the map they're heading straight for San Francisco, which is where Aaron <laughs> Taylor Johnson is trying to get back to because that's where his wife, uh, yeah. also technically his sister from the Marvel universe, not, <laughs> not technically his sister, his wife and them. <laughs> <laughs> she, that's where she is with his son, and like this is another moment where i laugh out loud almost every time i watch it because it's legitimately just like of course they're going to san francisco where else would right. they be going <laughs> right but like the I, and i agree like if you have that complaint i totally understand yes but also like this movie does such a, the point you made earlier of making them seem godlike mm-hmm. the movie does such a good job of of i think i think this is a gareth edwards strong suit also is that he's so good at scale like you know how otherworldly massive this monster is or these monsters are like because because you always get it from the perspective of us so you have to keep it on the perspective of the people in order to be able to do that and it only only makes sense to follow one character so yeah it's a little convenient but it adds to the movie rather than takes away from it i think two points there one is the he actually proved this already with Monsters, which is a movie we'll definitely do at some point, but he did that with no money, right? So, which is probably mm-hmm. why he was hired for this, because they, they looked at that and went, you made this for like $50. <laughs> so you I did can, not see that movie, but I heard good things. Yeah, so you can do Godzilla. Uh, so that's kind of neat. I think the other thing there, though, is that it does eventually betray that. You know, when we eventually get to that last 15 minutes and we get the mm-hmm. full-on monster fighting, obviously, eventually, it does say, okay, let's have some big wide shots. Let's do yeah. this film as, a, as an action sequence. 
But yes, for the longest time, whenever we see monsters, it's from the perspective of a human being. Usually yeah. Aaron Tilla Johnson, but sometimes it's other people. You know, uh, One of my favorite shots of the whole movie is when Godzilla first appears in Hawaii. Um, we don't see him yet. We've just seen like, sort of the tidal wave and mm-hmm. some soldiers show up some flares and you just see like part of like a knee going past the building yeah. and it just, it just it fills the screen you can't see anything or it's even just... like the perspective of people in the airport so you could see like the mutus or whatever in the background and mutos so i think i said a pokemon <laughs> <laughs> and then you just see like godzilla's foot <laughs> like oh my god this is huge but that yeah. would be the only thing that they could see right so <laughs> hello moto uh <laughs> That's a dumb joke. Uh, actually, what I love about that shot, obviously, I love the scale. I love the scale yeah. of that because you see the the male Muto who is you know a high, right? And then the camera pans across and Godzilla's foot comes in, and you realize just how much more like massive yeah. Godzilla is. But my my favorite thing that I've kind of discovered about that moment on, on repeat viewings is that there's this weird like chain reaction of explosions that go across mm-hmm. the screen because uh, because the, the Muto like sets off like one of the planes that's just sort of sitting there. It blows up, but it's, it knocks into another one, which then blows up, and it sort of like there's a until it gets to Godzilla's foot coming in, and it's just it's this perfect visual poetry until it yeah. gets to Godzilla's oh, foot. And you know, Gareth Edwards, I think I know a lot of people don't like Rogue One, and I think there are reasons not to like that movie. Mm-hmm. Um, but one thing he does really well again is the scale. When like the ATAT show up, oh, they're sure. massive looking and really intimidating, and it's like, yeah, man, he's just really good at this. If you, do you know what the funny thing is? I think Aaron Taylor Johnson's character in this film is, you know, pretty thin. And I think that's a fair thing to say. I don't think it's a big deal for the movie, but it is fair if you go and make that objective com- you know, complaint that he is a thin mm-hmm. character. I think that's fair. What's funny is I think the the characters in Rogue One, where he, he act, Edwards actively is trying to build the dramatic story out of, I think it kind of shows his weakness with characters and actually comes off even worse because he's trying to do an emotional story. With the main character? Maybe, but there's also, like, like if you watch the trailers for Rogue One, like I did, because I was really excited for it, um, and then you watch the movie, and you, go, you start to go, wow, oh, there's a lot of stuff in here that's that the trailer showed that's just not in this movie at all. So very clearly, no, we made a lot of changes. And, oh, and sure. like Like, really big changes, according to the trailers. So, I, yeah, I'll be like, honest. a lot I, of that is just like, okay, I don't know how much of it is his fault. I had or... <laughs> forgotten that, but that is largely because then Solo came out and they actually reshot the whole movie, basically, <laughs> for that yeah. one. So, it's not, so that's not even the biggest example of these new Star Wars movies, like, reshooting things or changing right, things. Yeah. Or just, yeah, it's true. So, but, so I, don't, I don't know, like, maybe, maybe Rogue One is an exception for him, I'm not sure. And not that I think it's a bad movie. I just think it's not as good as it could have been. Um, but I don't know. I still think it's shot really well. <laughs> yeah, sure. Uh, yeah. Um, no, I mean, just to go back to the, the scale of the monsters and stuff. Uh, you mentioned 2001 a little bit ago in, in terms of mm-hmm. comparisons. The music from 2001 is used a couple of times in the movie. Not the obviously the main big theme, but the the sort of chanty one. What was it called? Uh, I think it's called Requiem something something. I don't know. Straps. I, I thought Strauss. you knew. <laughs> so that's what's away. Yeah, I, it's it's Requiem, <laughs> but I don't know exactly Requiem for like blank blank. 
I don't I don't speak music. But that's used a couple of times in the film. It's it's used the first time you see Godzilla, uh, and it's used a, another couple of key moments. It's used when you see Godzilla for the for the big fight. Yeah, yeah, but that's not the big example. The big example is the Halo drop, for sure. Mm-hmm. Uh, the trailer, which is in, which a part part of it's in the trailer, but the trailer doesn't do it justice because there's so much more to it uh, yeah. in the movie itself. Uh, it's just visually spectacular. Uh, there's, there's so many good shots in this movie, especially in the back like thirty minutes that. Whenever I watch it now again, I always forget about some of them. And mm-hmm. there's a moment where, and I've done this in multiple rewatches now, where just before it happens, I remember there's going to be a shot in a second mm-hmm. where the. Uh, I know which one you're talking about. <laughs> I don't know if you do. Maybe you do. I don't know. Maybe. Uh, but there's a shot where the, the light's going to flash and we're going to see Godzilla's silhouette in the smoke. Mm-hmm. Um, was that the one you thought I was going to say? It, yeah, because it goes to like a, the wide shot of the city and you can see like the five like red stripes coming down and then yeah the light flashes and you can see him unless you're talking about the close-up i was closer up than that it's after they've landed it's just it's more more, you can see the tail first you see the tail kind of like the tail's out of the smoke and then it's sort of getting into the smoke and then the camera you know tilts up and he does like a lightning flash that reveals the silhouette of godzilla and it's it's just this beautiful shot it's Mm -hmm. And obviously everything in that, you know, the plane coming in, because the, as the plane's coming in and the drop's all happening, you're hearing the, the, the chanty music, the chanting music from uh, 2001. And it just makes it feel like, in the same way that the monolith in 2001 was meant to be this, like, thing we don't understand. It's just beyond our, like, mm-hmm. our senses, beyond our comprehension. Uh, likewise in this, the idea that these monsters, that Godzilla, is, is, is legitimately godlike. And we feel so much... Like we feel nothing compared to him, uh, mm-hmm. and it feels so daunting. Yeah. yeah, if it yeah, it feels like twenty four hours ago this was San Francisco, and now it's not ours anymore. Now it's their world, mm-hmm. uh, to the point where it's got an atmosphere. It's it's literally got an atmosphere that they go through when they're dropping in. That's been created by the by the mutos, uh, to are creating their nest, which I presume eventually would just expand to be the whole city because they're huge. Yeah, I I actually it's been a while since I watched this film. I really like the design of the of the Mutos. I don't want to call it a Pokemon. Is it Muto, right? Muto, yeah. M- Muto, okay. Not Mewtwo, which is what the Pokemon is, I think. Okay. <laughs> I don't know. I never <laughs> played those games. Not that. I, not that I. I've, I've, but I, I. I would never like if you'd say name on Pokemon. I'd have says. I'd have said Pikachu, Charizard. And that's probably it. But because you keep thinking you're seeing a Pokemon, I, I did trigger something <laughs> in my memory that there's one called Mewtwo, but it's <laughs> this is a, a Muto. Muto, yeah. I do like the designs of the Muto. I like that there's a a smaller one with wings that's a male, and then like a larger one. I like the I like their faces. They, for for some reason, I was thinking they were they were kind of similar to like the ones in Pacific Rim or. The ones in um, uh, Kong Skull Island, like I think they all have like a very similar look, mm-hmm. but or like even a lot of other monsters that we see or aliens monsters and like on alien worlds like in Star Trek's um, and stuff like that. Like these look cool. <laughs> like I like their design a lot. They they look like something that um, I don't know. They look they look really smartly designed. I'm not going to suggest this was intentional per se, but 
given that they do kind of share kind of a similarity to those other monsters, I'd even throw in the Cloverfield monster a little bit. There's, there's a lot of Yeah, I was thinking that too, yeah. actually, but I there's couldn't a, quite remember what he looked like. A lot of different monsters that kind of fit a kind of category that these sort of slide into. I, mm-hmm. I almost like think it's accidental, but I do almost think that it kind of becomes this meta thing almost in my head where Godzilla's here to show these stupid generic designs what a real monster <laughs> looks like. <laughs> And I'm not yeah. saying that Edwards intentionally was doing that because I don't think a director would say, I'm going to have generic monster designs for these villains <laughs> because I, I want them to be the plain thing that every movie's doing in the last five years. But I, I, I in my head, it's kind of become that to me <laughs> because... I guess they look a little bit like the Starship Troopers aliens, but I think that's mostly because they they look insectoid. They're just like hard armored, shelled. Yeah. Insect. Uh- giant bugs yeah obviously we have a lot of destruction there's buildings falling over we've got creatures walking through buildings uh edwards does that trick a couple of times where someone will go into a door and then the just the back of the building will be missing because it, mm-hmm. it, it happens a couple of times very close together it happens in vegas but it happens at the site where they were keeping like the cocoon of the the female uh so he pulls that trick a couple of times uh, but it, it, it's, it's, uh, I like the first one especially because the first one especially like they're going to check up on this thing because uh, you know Sarazawa has realized oh maybe this thing might wake up now that the other one's awake and they send in soldiers and they're kind of like wiping dirt off the all because it's, it's, it's basically just a it's like a storage dump for like radiated material right in the middle of the desert and they're going to this hallway and because no one's been down here in decades they're wiping like you know thick dirt off the, the little windows and they get to one, they wipe it off, and just sunlight comes beaming through. I actually really yeah. like that that little moment, because then they open the door, and it's like, oh, the entire back of this building and the, the mountain we built it in <laughs> is just gone. Yeah, it's it's a mountain. Yeah, yeah. it's uh, it's um, it's like our our country's <laughs> waste drop-off place. Well, I mean, it's yeah, just, it is. It's just a mountain. We just bury stuff in mountains. Yeah, I mean, they say, they say it's Nevada, and then, it goes, then they go to Vegas, like, right after that, so. Yeah, and I agree. Like, when I watch those scenes, I, I chuckle a little bit, like, okay, nobody noticed a giant thing. Like, it left a big trail. <laughs> well, yeah, there's, there's a couple of moments in the film where it has that T-Rex and Jurassic Park syndrome where they had to be really quiet to sneak up for this surprise little moment. Right, that they yeah, have. there's a couple of that. There's a few yeah. moments like that where, uh, you know, there's some big ones in the big climax stuff at the end as well, where like there's so much bass in the footsteps of these things because they would be very loud moving around but whenever the movie wants them to be silent <laughs> they're very silent they're very sneaky <laughs> like a sneaky t-rex G- godzilla <laughs> is 300 foot tall he probably weighs something like 100 a hundred ton or something like that. i don't know but <laughs> probably more than that it's probably thousands of tons yeah <laughs> i have no idea how, how much you'd weigh uh, well, he's probably the size of a million elephants, so and they weigh like a ton. <laughs> <laughs> so your estimate's about a million, then. <laughs> he's earth crushing, yeah. <laughs> if if anything, I question why the, the streets themselves don't buckle under the weight because the sewers well, under the, the streets. Yeah. You would think they'd the always thing, buckle. Like he's got, he's so massive that it really does call into question like how anything is around, <laughs> like. Just the vibrations from the steps should like cause buildings to collapse all around him. Yeah, but that's okay because it's a movie we want to enjoy it, and if yeah. that all happened, like we would just... get any of the fun. So exactly, that's not so. the point of the of the film. Absolutely not. Uh, and I think you know, if you're going to compare 
Godzilla 2014 to the original Godzilla. Obviously, it's not the important monumental film that had something very serious to say, but um, I do think it's one of the strongest Godzilla films uh, after the original because it's and it's mostly through style rather than substance. Admittedly, I, I think it is mostly the style. It's mostly how Edwards as a director treats the monsters, how he frames mm-hmm. the destruction, how he shoots the destruction, how he shoots the monsters fighting um the the ethereal feeling they have of being these like larger than life entities something that i do think is missing in the following movies even though they maybe arguably have more fun fights or whatever Mm -hmm. um and i I think that sets it apart it makes you feel kind of special uh and and that feeling is not is not wavered uh i mean complaints to the characters you know can be there and i you know, it's funny because watching it again, like I realized just how little Elizabeth Olsen is actually in this movie, even though she's technically like second billing. <laughs> you know, she, she. Well, there's not really a lot of humans in the film that we are following. No, it's really just Aaron Taylor Johnson more than anyone else. If if mm-hmm. Sarazawa and uh, Sally Hawkins, who's his like partner in crime, uh, they they get probably way more screen time than most other humans. Uh, shout out to uh, David Strathairn from uh, uh, who played Ashford in The Expanse. Uh, I like seeing him. Because when I first saw this, I didn't know who he was. So it's when I've come back to watch it since Expanse that I've like, oh, hey, it's Ashford. Hey, I like seeing him. Yeah, I, he's a great actor. He's been around forever as a that guy. Um, what do I know him from? He was in a movie we did called um, Fast Color. Well, yeah, I, I know him from something in the something from long ago. Um, I think there's a Neil Simon movie that I watched a lot. Lost in Yonkers? I think that might be it. <laughs> but he's a but he's a that guy actor. He like he shows up in all sorts of things. Hmm. I forgot he was in this also. Yeah. But yeah, he's he's there. Um Yeah. I, I yeah, I mean I think it's funny, we've bounced around quite a bit, uh, just talking about the the general film and we'll go a bit further here in a second. Uh, but I'll, so I'll give the, uh, the the Patreon producers their uh, their thank you for the month. So a thank you to Tyler Hess, Cindy Palacios, David Sharp, Board Now, Al Treisman, Christopher Moy, Brett Williams, and David Brown. They are Patreon producers for the month, so thank you. Uh, Tara, where can they go and support us? Uh, yeah, if you enjoy the reviews, please check out our Patreon page. It's patreon.com slash TV. And if you donate as well as $1 per month, you will get access to bonus episodes of The Ace. So if you're looking for your favorite B-movie review, it tends to be what we do over there. Um, they tend to be quite funny, funny bad. So it's probably there. Check it out. Or maybe it will be. <laughs> that's, that's, that's the hope that it'll be funny or bad. Sometimes it doesn't pan out, though. <laughs> well, I mean, like maybe your favorite movie won't be there. <laughs> oh, true. Yes. Uh, <laughs> but no, we got something special plans for it. We've got a nice romantic sci-fi film for February planned. For the, the bonus oh. episode. I don't remember what it was. Oh, wait. No, I know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I'm very excited. I've not seen this film. Yes. Uh, very romantic film. <laughs> the, the love between beauty and the beast. Let's talk about Chernobyl a little bit because watching this in a post-Chernobyl world, and by post-Chernobyl I mean post the miniseries from HBO, not <laughs> post the actual event, because obviously the event happened a long time ago. Not just Chernobyl, the um, Fukushima. That's true, that that was not even that long before this movie, only a few years. 
Um, mm-hmm. But there was a couple of things early on that stuck out to me. One of which is kind of like a, I'm going to critique something slightly as a, just for being a movie. It's not really a critique. It's just... You mean because- that radiation looks like smoke? The ra- there's not even looks like smoke. It's that radiation is visible. Like there's actually like, a, like yeah. a wall of something, so, so we can see it. But it's kind of a movie thing. Like, okay, we have to be able to see it, so we can have a dramatic moment where he has to close the door and not get radiated. <laughs> like, you know. It, but it made me laugh because obviously we watched Chernobyl, and one of the big things in that was that the radiation was completely invisible. You didn't know where radiation was until you pulled out yeah. a meter or you started feeling it, uh, the effects of it. And I mean, it could be that this was not smoke, but like steam that was, you know, sure. maybe different, like radioactive still. Um, like maybe that's like, I think they use steam in nuclear power plants. So, so maybe it is, but yeah, I, I couldn't help but think of Chernobyl also yeah. when they were running away from the radiation. <laughs> Yeah, so I, it's just a minor thing. It's not like something that actually bothered me, but it was just something that stuck out. I was like, you know, but we've what? seen a man bleed through his pants because he just leaned up on a door. Yes. So. <laughs> I guess like I'll buy that radiation's in the the cloud of steam or whatever that's coming down the hallway. But I'd also suspect that there's a lot of invisible radiation beyond that cloud as well, most likely. Yeah. Uh, which is why you know Brian Cranston hitting the door just in time before the smoke gets to him. Makes it feel like he should probably also be sick. <laughs> he should, he's yeah, probably he's probably, probably screwed. But uh, but no, the, even the, the, the when the title comes up after the opening titles, uh, the you know the all the, all the credits with the, the redacted and all that and the, the big pounding music. Yeah, I like the it actual... because it is it is like connecting it not just to the previous film, letting you know that this is a continuation, but also like, go ahead. The actual title. <laughs> you got your hand. Well, I was in the middle of a sentence and. <laughs> and you're talking about something that wasn't even anything I was going to talk How about. How dare you? It is definitely worth talking about. I'm not saying it's not worth talking about. I'm saying that I was I was making a point, and you you just jumped in with sense. And my hand, go on then. And for the for the audio listeners, I put my hand up for Tara to stop talking. My hand was up because I naturally move my hands when I'm talking, and she stopped me midpoint where my hand was in the air as I was making my point. So I just held my position. I thought, I'm not letting this go. I'm going to hold this until I can finish my point. (laughs) Go on, then. I was just going to say that when the actual title Godzilla comes up, it comes up with, like, ash floating around, and that was... The the imagery made me think of Chernobyl. Uh, Mm -hmm. Made me think of, uh, you know, the the streets and all that. That was all. That's all I wanted to say. That's a very good point. (laughs) You you may continue your statement about the, the opening titles. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, the opening titles are really awesome. Like it's just it's showing you glimpses of it looks like you're watching stock footage and maybe some of it is of like news footage and of people working in reactors and um you know testing out nuclear weapons and uh but there's mixed in little Godzilla stuff in there. So it is connecting it to the original film plus you see all these nuclear tests going on and the whole point of the first film was about well, nuclear weapons. <laughs> let's talk about the connections to the original film because obviously they they outright dropped the the year 1954 which obviously Mm -hmm. is a direct reference uh wantanabe's character though his name is sarazawa and he mentions that he got his watch from his father who was you know present uh or at least was you know around during hiroshima right and the watch came from hiroshima um and obviously Sarazawa was a character in the original film, which is kind of suggesting that you know the scientist with the eye patch is Ken Watanabe's father. 
Now, admittedly, it's a little bit of a stretch because Watanabe was clearly not a married man. He was very much in love with her, you know, our other lead character who was in love with her other, this you other mean man. You Sarazawa. Yeah. Sarazawa, yes. Sarazawa. Yeah. What did I say? Watanabe. I said, well, sorry. Yeah, I'm mixed. It's because of the actor, right? But Sarazawa <laughs> in the original film, like, so he, he clearly was not in a relationship. It didn't feel like he had like a kid from a previous marriage. I mean, maybe that's what they're going with here. <laughs> maybe of... he found happiness. <laughs> hey, Watanabe doesn't look old enough to be born in before 54. But oh, so maybe he is. Sarazawa died <laughs> in the movie, though. Yeah, it had to be born before then. Oh, yeah, that's right. He died. <laughs> well, yeah, I guess so. <laughs> found happiness after he like let himself be oxygenized at the bottom of the ocean. Yeah. I didn't realize that they were the same names. Yeah. I'll, I'll be honest, I didn't realize it until I looked at the, the credits. <laughs> and I went, oh, Sarazawa! That's the same name as the dude. I mean, admittedly, maybe it's just more of a spiritual kind of wink-wink than it is an actual... Hey, we're suggesting he's actually the son of this character from the original movie. Uh, mm-hmm. I, I think that's probably what it actually is. Uh, but I'm having fun trying to make it work in my brain because it's amusing. Okay. <laughs> sure. Yeah. Okay. Uh, we, we should talk about Brian Cranston. We should talk about his character in the film and how one of the, the one of the big sentiments that people are disappointed with the film. And I think even even I on the first viewing, there was a bit of a disappointment when they confirmed that he had in fact died because. You know, mm-hmm. he he, he kind of comes across as maybe not the central character. It's, it's clear that his son who... Because the, the opening of the film is in 1999 because it's set 15 years in the past. And mm-hmm. we cut ahead and, you know, Aaron Taylor Johnson's now a man and he's coming home from, from Army. Look, look at my trophies from Army. Uh, <laughs> yeah, he totally said it like Buster. <laughs> <laughs> he looks a bit like Buster when you think about it. He's got a very similar haircut in this and he's got a similar... Well, that's what happens when you join the Navy or the he's, military, I should say. He's, 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 <laughs> Everyone gets the same look. He's got a very... It's, he's, he's like Buster. He's, he just doesn't look as confused. That's it. If you just take away the confused part. Yeah, yeah he's got the confidence. Yeah. Um, um, yeah, I know. Uh, I, I understand the complaint, um, but the movie's so good that I don't care. <laughs> and I think it's also like he was used so much in the marketing because of the success of Breaking Bad that everybody... like, Why wouldn't they use him in all the marketing stuff? Yeah, for context, Breaking Bad ended in 2013, and this came out in summer of 2014. So yeah, they they used them heavily. And like I said, on the first viewing, I think there was a moment where you know he he falls down the scaffolding or the the, the walkway when the the Muto's waking up, and that. But then he's he's in a stretcher and he's talking to his son. But then he kind of has this like final lines moment on the helicopter, and then it, there's another scene and it comes back to him, and it's just the the body bag being zipped up, and I'm like, wait, that's that's all for. That's all for Cranston? <laughs> Not just Cranston. Julia Binoche is in this film, too. And I was very excited because I didn't know she was in the movie. And I really like her. <laughs> Not for so long. So when, yeah, when I saw, oh, Julia Binoche is in this. All right. I haven't seen her in a while. And then uh, she's gone. <laughs> yeah, she's, she's just gone. <laughs> right away. <laughs> yeah. And it's one of those like, things. And it's one of the, you, like, you, you expect to see more of them because they're named actors like you know who these people are no they, they, they pulled a scream they pulled uh we're going yeah. to put some big names at the start of the movie and they're going to sell how dangerous things are how anyone can die because they're going to die very quickly and yeah. you know i i do kind of wish in a lot of ways that cranston did stick around but at the same time obviously the movie the way it is isn't really structured around having someone else to follow so there would have been nothing yeah. for him to do but yeah there was a disappointment that first time uh but 
I was won over by the movie anyway because I was so into everything with the monsters for the rest of the film that oh, it, yeah. it ultimately didn't really become that much of a problem. But uh, obviously, part of me in my head was like, I want Heisenberg versus Godzilla. <laughs> that's, that's... Right, but like, <laughs> what would that really be? <laughs> I want, I, I just, I want them to fully animate like a, a scene of you know Heisenberg with his hat on, yeah. and the glasses, and like looking up and just you know say my name. <laughs> to I mean, even this, even this movie is not like. It's not really about people versus Godzilla. It's about the monsters. And it's not until we accept mm-hmm. and we say, let them fight, that we are like, okay, this is really what the movie is. Like, we're just lucky if we survive. Yeah, all the military actually does is endanger everyone's lives. That's literally all yeah. they do in this movie. Uh, mm-hmm. But, I mean, so Brian Cranston is out of it. Uh, and he has a, a few key scenes. Um, it's what, one of the things I was again it popped up in my head and then it, it's, it's almost like I thought I found a new weird not a plot hole per se but then it was kind of answered in the, the script like a little <laughs> bit later th- this viewing and again this is probably just because I'm, I'm being overly critical of the Chernobyl stuff because I saw Chernobyl and feel like I'm an expert now but <laughs> when they're going into the quarantine city which looked cool I liked all the shots of the, this, this quarantine this compl- city they'd be completely quarantined because of this nuclear plant disaster yeah. um, but he whips out the Geiger counter, right? And it says zero. And he's like, that should be lethal here, but it's clean. And obviously, I think on like previous viewings, I'm thinking, oh, it's a conspiracy, blah, blah, blah. On this viewing, what stuck out to me, I think, was that, no, he's right. This, this should be lethal. This should be lethally, uh, you know, radiated here. But as we find out later, the mutals actually feed on radiation. Right. So obviously- All the radiation's just gone. <laughs> this is completely fictional. There's nothing, as far as I know, in nature- that actively, you know, eats, eats radiation. <laughs> but plants. It, oh sure, but <laughs> it, it, it makes sense that if a, such a creature were to exist, that it would literally clean an area yeah. of radiation. So, right. <laughs> sure. Yeah. yeah. No, I, I, that, that, I didn't realize that either until this viewing. No, it makes it makes some sense. Mm-hmm. I, <laughs> yeah. Um. So, like we like we said, it kind of, it kind of follows Aaron Taylor Johnson around like a bad habit because he ends up on the he's on the monorail in Hawaii. That is one of my favorite shots when you see the 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 Muto like at the end of where the train is going and it's just mm. like collapsing the tracks around it. Like, ooh, it's such a good it's a good shot because of course you're seeing it from the perspective of people inside and just this giant monolithic creature. <laughs> at the end of where you're about that, like to to go straight into its mouth, <laughs> it was great. I, love I do, scene. I do kind of love the uh, <laughs> the fact that these monsters feed on radiation. So they literally, it's around this point in the film where we see one eating a nuclear missile off a submarine, mm-hmm. and it's just a hell of a visual. But a little bit later in the film, when they're like, okay, we're going to lure them, all the monsters, we're going to lure them to this big nuke we've got, and we're going to kill them with the nuke. And quite rightly, Sally Hawkins is like, they feed on radiation. Do, do you not see the problem with this? And <laughs> right. the reaction is basically, yeah, but this blast is so big. That the, 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 so the radiation, they'll feed on that, but then the blast is so impactful that it'll kill them anyway. And we never actually get to find out if it will, because ultimately they never are there when it explodes. But all I could think was, that's your plan, is a bigger yeah. explosive? Just, just right. go bigger. That's all you've got. <laughs> that's it. <laughs> yeah. They did the same thing in the blob. Just keep shooting it. Why? Just get a bigger weapon. No. 
<laughs> You're making it stronger. Stop it. <laughs> yeah, and, and it's so much of the uh, there's a lot of stuff in the middle that always cracks me up. There's a couple of really funny lines uh, for me. Uh, there's one where the news report says something like, uh, you know, we encourage people to stay off the highways and not not cause jams right now. And it cuts their shot of just, and it's like <laughs> so many cars. And it's not even like busy roads in a city that you expect, or even a highway that you expect to be jammed. It's like it's like quiet roads by like a farm, and it's still jammed as if it's yeah. Every, yeah. you know everything. So yeah, right. there's the, 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 moments of humor. The other one that makes me laugh as well is when Godzilla does shop in Hawaii. And we you know, it arrives at the fight, and it cuts away, and it cuts to Aaron Taylor Johnson's son waking up on the couch, and he's watching the news, mm-hmm. and uh, Olsen's like just you know walking around. She's a nurse, and she's like getting her scrubs ready, and she's like, I need to go to work, blah blah. And he's like, Mommy, dinosaurs, and she turns around, and just the look in her face when she sees the TV. It's uh, like this is real, <laughs> and it's hilarious. But it's also hilarious because she just got him her husband just came back from like 14 months serving right and he, his job is to like defuse bombs like he's he's, mm-hmm. he's you know he's a, he's a bomb expert so he's already doing something very dangerous where he literally could end his life if something goes wrong uh a lot of the time he comes back he immediately goes to japan to get his father who's been arrested for trespassing in a, in a quarantine zone and this beautiful thing happens which to the public and as far as she knows right now was a giant earthquake and mm-hmm. she can't contact her husband. So there's something really funny to me that she turns around and he's left a message for her at this point. He's, he's he got like a sat phone from one of the, the military dudes and he, he's, he, he, she doesn't answer, but he leaves her a, a voicemail saying, hey, I'm going to Hawaii to get a flight. You know, so much to tell you, my dad, blah, blah, blah. Um, she turns around and where her husband currently is trying to get a flight, <laughs> this giant... dinosaur fight is happening (laughs) yeah i mean the the humor in this movie is more the editing i think because it is just like oh we're gonna get it cut cut to like a kid watching news instead you're like oh (laughs) that is funny to me i'm just realizing as i'm explaining why this is funny the fight is literally happening at the airport where he very well could be he could be at the airport (laughs) trying to get his flight to san francisco right yeah it's just situational comedy oh dear because uh, yeah it, it does little things like Aaron Taylor Johnson has a moment here where he, he ends up stuck with a kid who's separated from his parents there's yeah. like a, some Asian tourists in Hawaii and the kid gets separated from him and he is like oh, I'll, I'll take care of the kid and bring him back to the subway stop or the, or the monorail stop I should say yeah. and he ends up having to protect the kid for a little bit longer because of the attack um, and, and it's just it's there it's, it's there just to show us that he's a good guy that's worth rooting for and that we should mm-hmm. care that he's you know we, we don't want him to die we don't want his family to miss him because he's a decent human being that's the point of that it's a little bit you know on the surface there's not much to it it's just here's him doing a good deed so we know that he's nice and then yeah. therefore we don't hate him um, plus but, it has another thing in his way like he can't just look after himself he's got to look after this kid and it, you know the kid's not annoying or anything and he's not in the movie for very long but well the film's not very shy about trying to draw parallels with aaron taylor johnson's character and godzilla himself uh bizarrely oh yeah <laughs> totally uh, and it really plays it up <laughs> who's to... the real monster <laughs> i'm just kidding <laughs> well that's the thing it's kind of the opposite it's like it's that they're both heroes like they're just heroes yeah. of a different kind because i mean obviously the end of the movie they, they both collapse at the same time like he collapses on his side on the boat and then godzilla does the same thing and it's this moment where they're in yeah. sync they both look like they're done for yeah but they've both went out of their way to save people 
um <laughs> and it's i guess it's the idea that if godzilla's this protector who's there to restore balance that aaron taylor johnson kind of does the same thing and even his job he, he comes in to defuse bombs he's he's not there to like drop bombs he's there to go in and solve the the mess that someone else has left uh so it, it's not super deep but there is kind of a parallel that they're trying to build up with him and godzilla being these you know protectors and restorers of balance kind of thing mm-hmm. uh so you know it, it's just there no yeah i noticed it a yeah. lot more this viewing yeah um you know it, what's funny is there is actually one parallel to the 1998 godzilla believe it or not um it's that mummy muto gets pissed at aaron taylor johnson for killing all of her babies that actually happens in 1998 godzilla now admittedly that's right yeah it's more of an aliens thing to be honest because the alien queen was is pissed at ripley for killing all of her, her babies mm-hmm. so they're both taking from a, a masterpiece but <laughs> because it's a godzilla movie i'm think i'm comparing it to other godzilla movies and i, I was thinking hey this is kind of what happens because in the 1998 godzilla which i suppose we'll have to do someday but it's not in the, it's not in the schedule right now we've uh, skipped it for a reason <laughs> but there is a whole sequence you know at the end of that movie where uh godzilla's ch- and i say godzilla, it's not really it's big dinosaur is chasing matthew broderick in a taxi cab through new york because it's she's pissed that because it's a she and that ain't yet one uh yes well uh, all the dinosaurs are female yes because they went through the park and lifted up all the skirts yes uh and uh, she just looks like a big t-rex <laughs> and she, she looks I, I kind of think yeah big t-rex with a uh, it's weird to say this now because jurassic world actually literally did this but it kind of looked like half t-rex half velociraptor to me like the godzilla in the 1998 one right yeah yeah uh the indominus rex the indominus rex yes but not the indoraptor which is different the best bugs bunny <laughs> it's the bugs bunny of dinosaurs <laughs> uh oh man someone should redub that with what's up that docs and stuff <laughs> sprinkle through that last act he just needs a spin-off i want the indoraptor movie yeah i i mean honestly the big talking point though the the, the absolute big talking point at godzilla 2014 is the cinematography uh, oh it's I, gorgeous yeah it, it's it's the thing that i keep coming back to it there's it's so many <laughs> wonderful shots. And, and what gets me is that there's some great moments even without Godzilla, who's obviously the highlight. The stuff on the uh, the train track at nights when they're like transporting the missile. Mm-hmm. And they're, again, admittedly, I'll excuse this one for being there around Aaron <laughs> Taylor Johnson because he he's actually transporting the bait. So this one actually at least is somewhat not coincidental. <laughs> so and he, is, he is EOD, and I think they, they say something about like, most of the EOD, I think, die at this point, or like they don't make it out. Uh, for for later on, that's relevant, yeah, because he's yeah. the only one who survives this train thing uh, on the train tracks. Um, I I do think it's kind of weird though how he literally just like spots a platoon get into like a, a plane and says, "Hey, can I hitch a ride? I'm with, I'm you know, I'm I'm Navy. Can I can I come with you?" <laughs> and he ends up getting like official jobs to do, and I'm like, "This is kind of weird. Like, surely, the, I don't know." <laughs> uh, I would say yes, but it's also a war zone so maybe not like yeah maybe they just go with it yeah yeah uh, there's a disaster crisis like all all hands on deck you know <laughs> whatever we can get yeah um it is like you are able to transport through like hitch rides with um other planes that are going through that are so long as it's military 
Yeah. It's not like he's getting a raid on an ice cream truck or anything. <laughs> well, it's not like a civilian flight, you know. Yes. It's, it is a military plane. <laughs> yeah, so... Uh, but that stuff's great. And then, of course, but once you get to San Francisco, like, the the shots, like, because uh, we talked about the perspective, like, there's so much, like, Godzilla when he first comes up at the bridge, and it's all from inside the school bus that's, like, evacuating kids out of the city, including, uh, you know, the main couple's son. And, mm-hmm. like, Godzilla, like, this is the moment I was, I talk about where he actively saves the kids because he blocks a couple of rocket launcher hits uh, from hitting the bridge. Yeah. Uh, and one of my favorite shots in the whole movie might be after he's forced to walk through the bridge at one point because the military just won't let him like do anything else. Uh, he there's a wide shot of him just walking away, and it's one of the few shots where we're so far away from that he's he's fairly small in the frame, so you get this vista shot, and it's just a hole in the bridge. It's still all the way standing because you know it's only one part of it that he's walked through, but mm-hmm. he's just walking away from it, and you just you feel the 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 heft and the chaos uh, at the moment. Yeah, that poor. Poor Golden Gate Bridge. Can never survive in film. <laughs> no. I remember when uh, Magneto lifted the whole thing up and the yeah. classic X Men The Last Stand that everyone everyone. I loves. mean so many Star Trek movies end up there. <laughs> Could never catch a break. It's where Starfleet uh, is located, so <laughs> I was aware of that, yes. <laughs> For Thank everyone you. else. Yes. <laughs> Uh, but no, like I, I, you know, the, the the shot of Godzilla and silhouette when the the lightning flashes when he's in the smoke is wonderful. Mm-hmm. Everything with them dropping from the plane and they have the red flares on. I mean, them, there's, so- yeah, there's a reason that's a trailer. Also, it's just like it's it's such an extraordinary scene. But notably, the trailer only shows the scenes of like them before they get inside the atmosphere, if you will, of the the actual. Yeah, but bubble. that's that's the trailer opening. You know, I wasn't it just the whole teaser trailer. It may have, yeah, it may have been the whole teaser trailer. Uh, because, but it sh- you know, it never showed stuff when they actually start to like see the monsters inside the the, the drop. Because you know, there's a lot of beautiful stuff of them just coming through the smoke or the uh, say smoke, the 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 clouds, and then going through. Yeah. There's like a gap, and then like the, the the sort of the almost artificial atmosphere that has been created by the monsters. Mm-hmm. And if we see like just the, it's literally because we talk about the perspective of the humans, but here it's literally a POV shot from. Taylor Johnson's yeah, you can like see mask. like the the edges of his goggles that he's or his whatever face shield that he's that he's wearing. And he looks over and you just see Godzilla like baiting on the Muto, and it's just like he's up. He's he's he's, he's probably as close as you could ever possibly get to this yeah. fight. Uh, but actually, that reminds me. One of my but when when the city's like going into evacuation mode and like Elizabeth Olsen's running around when it's all daytime. Um, because it's a great moment, and again, this is what one of the few monster things that was one in one of the trailers is where she looks at one side and there's a Muto, and then she looks at the other side and Godzilla's appeared and he's standing tall right before the 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 fight that it cuts away from with the doors. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> but I love the the moment before that where she sees very quietly, just like you know, there's a, there's a guy parachuting down the street, and it's like, that's weird. But then you just see behind her the the, the fighter jet because the the Mutos have an EMP, and we've seen them knock out planes repeatedly yeah. throughout the movie. And the jet just kind of spins into a building behind her, and it's like a nice little, it's like a, it's like a, just a little quiet, like, is that a pilot parachuting yeah. down the street? <laughs> oh, that's the plane that he came from. All right. Uh, right but then you get the yeah. shot of the, it's, it's the shot of out in the water next to the bridge again, where there's just like multiple planes like falling out, all these jets falling out the sky. Yeah. Yeah. It's beautiful. Oh, it's, yeah, it's so, it's so well shot. And I, I really should check out Monster because. I am like 
every time I watch this film, I'm just so impressed by how it looks and the the setup. And I mean, I, I think honestly that that's that musical score that they use also just is so perfect for making it feel epic. And because because you associate it with 2001, it kind of puts it on, you know, a pedestal a bit <laughs> like if you they're inviting you to compare it. I think. Yeah, I know, in a way. I mean, I'd argue that even just on its own merit, I say it was never used in 2001. It would still be mm-hmm. perfect for the scene. Oh, it's a great entry song for, for Godzilla. Yeah. Uh, well, I'm thinking more of the Halo drop, but yeah, the entry of Godzilla too. Because uh, mm-hmm. there's, there's a third time you hear it a little bit. Because the first time you hear it, you only hear like a short bit as well, because it's just the one shot of like his appearance. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then you get a lot of it. You get the full thing where it really goes into all the bits and pieces uh, during the Halo drop, because that lasts quite long. But then when you get to uh, something we've not talked about yet, and this is a detail I love, so it's right after Aaron Taylor Johnson's decided to blow up the nest because they can't they can't uh, defuse the the bomb because they, they they won't open. It's all like you know rusty, closed shut, bent shut, whatever. And yeah. they, so the, the the plan B is to take it to a boat and just get it far away from the city, get it out in the water so it can blow up safely away from everyone. Fine. But he has this thought as he's leaving, he's like, wait, all these eggs, this is this is hundreds of more mutos, we can't let this happen. So, and he's a bombs expert, so clearly he knows how to <laughs> use a bomb and blow them up. And he does this. And this, and this actually, I love this detail, this inadvertently saves Godzilla, because Godzilla's getting his ass whipped at this point. Because this is probably finally right. when we're getting to see like a proper fight, where they're double teaming Godzilla, and he's actually going down, he's not winning. And yeah. this explosion of the nest distracts them and makes them go, oh shit, our babies! <laughs> and they come running over to the nest. And Godzilla actually defeats the little one by tail whipping into a building, which then falls on top of him, right? Which is a, a truly epic moment where mm-hmm. uh, he ends up landing right next to Aaron Taylor Johnson and his face just fades into the smoke. Uh, it's a really beautiful moment. But the thing that I was building up to, though, is that so he's down and out for a bit, and Mama Muto is pissed at Aaron Taylor Johnson, comes up to him, gets right in his face because she recognizes it was him. He killed her babies. So mm-hmm. these things cause so much collateral death that you don't care about. And it's not out of vindictive or anything. It's not revenge. It's just because we're ants Oh, to they them. don't notice. They, they don't, don't even notice, notice humans. Yeah. yeah. They don't care. But she's noticed him. So mm-hmm. what is she going to do when she actually cares about causing pain? That's yeah. the question, right? And he saved Godzilla fairly recently. Godzilla mm-hmm. returns the favor. <laughs> and the reason why I'm building up to this so much because... When I went to go see the movie the first time in theaters, opening day, we didn't actually know if he was going to have the atomic breath. So this this moment in the movie where not only does his back light up, it lights up gradually like a Tesla coil. It's, it's, yeah. You can hear this... It's going up his back. Honestly, yeah. When I was in the theater, I forgot he had atomic breath. Yeah. <laughs> because the moment happens, you go, oh, yeah. You see the glow <laughs> from the tip of the tail and i got excited and then but i think what makes it perfect what i love about it when he uses it here is that when he actually goes to use it his chest actually sort of like builds it's like he's got he's about to expel a big deep breath like mm-hmm. he's, he's like and he lets it out and it, like the body language the actual like body the chest and stomach movement actually kind of correlates to because it never mattered before no one cared like it's just had his atomic breath but they actually put thought into okay how would his like body react and move yeah. as he's doing it 
uh, and it looks glorious. Uh, oh, and, great. <laughs> and then they somehow topped it by the end because then when he eventually kills Mama Muto by saving Aaron Taylor Johnson again, that's just when he sneaks up on him because the Muto's like coming in for Aaron Taylor Johnson. It just stops and it's like, what's happened? And the camera just kind of notices Godzilla's bit his neck or her neck. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, but I said this uh, when we talked about the original king kong in, in godzilla i mentioned this because it's you, know, you think he's going to do the king kong kill he's going to like just snap its jaw but yeah having both mouthpieces but then you realize he's backsliding up you're like holy <laughs> it's shit just he's just gonna a- vomit <laughs> he's just gonna <laughs> atomic vomit <laughs> into his mouth and oh, that's what we should have called our podcast atomic vomit <laughs> <laughs> but but it's so brutal because essentially the radiation the atomic breath fires until it essentially just burns the head off of the rest of the body yeah and godzilla Man, just holds cool <laughs> it holds the head and just you know does the the, the roar and it's the classic godzilla roar right it's mm-hmm. the you know the, with the high pitch bit at the end mm-hmm. if, yeah. you, if you even call it that it's a, it's a glorious sound it's glorious honestly yeah. and i think the ending oh, there's some stuff to go back and talk about but i think the ending is perfect. I love the final shot where Godzilla walks back into the water and then it's just the, the cam still. And it, this is one of these things where I'm sitting in the theater the first time and I'm like, and I saw a smirk because I realized it was about to cut to the crest. I'm like, yes, yeah, it's yeah. the perfect final shot. This, it really is. This is the perfect <laughs> His thing. His job done. is done. <laughs> the only, the only <laughs> critique I will make, and this, this is somewhat rectified by King of the Monsters, is that when it cut to credits, it should have been da na na da na na da na 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 na. You know. I actually didn't notice the main theme at all in the film. And it's not that I was looking for it, but I, I, I just, I feel like I would remember it when watching the film, but I don't remember. Did it, I assume it did come up. No, no, that, that that's, that's a genuine complaint I have is that they oh, mean, th- they never use it. No, that, that's why it was a big deal to me when oh, they put it in I thought maybe it was like remixed and I just didn't notice it because I was too into the fighting. No, or something. no, uh, that, that was like the one thing. I wouldn't say I, I was disappointed unnecessarily because I never expected them to use it. But now that King of the Monsters did use it, I'm like, I'm a little annoyed you didn't use it. Because, like, and I would have accepted not using it the whole film, either until it cuts the credits or better yet, perhaps, when he gets up after he has his nap because he's, he's, he's hurt. Yeah. Uh, and it he says, you know, it says on the TV screen, you know, Godzilla, King of the Monsters, did he save our city? Whatever. Like, see, mm-hmm. as he's walking off and people are kind of cheering, the music's kind of heroic. That should have been the theme. That should have been da na 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 because he's earned it. You know, he's become the yeah the icon, right? He's become the myth to everyone. Uh, that'd have been cool. That'd have yeah, been, that'd have been great. I agree. <laughs> but hey, minor trouble, minor trouble. And I think it says something. I think it says something that we both still feel very positive about this film, despite the fact that we've seen it multiple times. It's not just you know that first theater trip that was this big screen, the spectacle. All that. I've watched them multiple times at home now, and I still find myself enamored with the, the same things that I did before. And it's not a perfect film. It's not that it has no faults. Uh, if anything, it has many, but I think the things that works for it are very good things to work in a, a movie about a giant godlike monster who's here to protect us. In a modern day setting, also. Yes. It's not that we don't have nuclear weapons now, but that's not the point of the film anymore. No, and it, it couldn't be about that anymore. And that's kind of why you know, the original film is always going to be more meaningful. Um, because, well, okay, there's a few things in here we can maybe connect to stuff like climate change and or, or, or other ideas. Man's hubris, yeah. Yeah. Thinking it's they're, on top. They're not going to land as much. And in fact, when this film does bring up 
uh, Hiroshima and uh, David Stratham's character kind of when he when he hears that this watch and that that Serizawa's father was either there or was was involved in some way, there there is kind of this moment like there it's it's kind of like telling you the reason why Serizawa is happy to sort of or wants to step back because he he all he's very early on he's like Godzilla's here to like win and fight mm-hmm. he he is here to restore the balance we shouldn't interfere and them trying to interfere ends up planting a nuclear bomb that's got a timer in the middle of San Francisco that still has hundreds of thousands of people trapped in like shelters and stuff mm-hmm. so like they they their interference does nothing but create more problems and Sarazawa the whole time is like no we should we should let the natural order take take course and I, I don't know if it, uh, yeah obviously it's a great line but I, I wonder <laughs> you know is it, is it trying to do like a small moment where it's, it's kind of trying to show the other character like that he understands the weight of these disasters he understands the weight of doing these things willy-nilly uh because it's more embedded in, in his history and his heritage because you know he he has a direct family member that was involved in the I, if not outright died in Hiroshima, it very, at the very least was had a, had an artifact from it because mm-hmm. it was in his time period. So, you know, there's a little bit in there. It doesn't go super far with it, but it's something. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I think that's linking it not only to the original film, but to the, yeah, the original reason why the movie was made, which is a nice callback but it's not really what the movie this movie is about anymore it's yeah it's, it's a nice uh it's like paying respect to the original i and, think i mean his yeah the, the whole reason why his character is even in there is for that yeah like just having um i mean the movie does start in japan uh well i guess it starts technically in the philippines but we we get introduced to our main characters in japan and, um, and that's also like, like, hey, hey Japan, we're taking this from you and <laughs> bringing it to America, if that's all right. But, I mean, it's it's nice that it starts there. Yeah, and even the posters had the title in Japanese, like, behind the, the English title. And I think they also very much wanted to have, like, a Japanese character say the name for the first time and, right. you know, and, and all, these, all these things. So, Good year. That that's fairly well intentioned, and I I think that's a nice again paying paying respects to the the heritage of the character, even though it's very much doing its own thing in in a lot of ways, and it's whatever. But uh, yeah, and actually, what do, what do you think of? Uh, do you think Godzilla looks good? Do you like the design of Godzilla in this movie? I love him. Like he looks like he could have a giant person inside of him <laughs> operating the suit. Honestly, <laughs> but I like it. I I know. I know he's a thick boy, and there was some criticism from Japan about that, but I love it. Like, I think he looks incredible. This is the best he's ever looked, in my opinion. I like that point you just made there about how he looks like he theoretically could be a guy in a suit. He's clearly not. He's CG, but... Uh, yeah. I think what I like about that statement is that they're taking the idea of, okay, obviously he moved a certain way because of the limitations of a guy being in a suit, so he's kind of rigid in some ways. Mm-hmm. And they kind of made it here, like, no, he's that rigid and moves that way because he's just so big and gargantuan that he physically couldn't move any other way. Like, this just has yeah. to be how he moves. Uh, so it makes it feel like more of a natural thing that's part of his physiology rather than a limitation of, like, what they can do. Yeah, but when you see him, like, walking away into the ocean wherever, you know, question mark. That's, um, 
you know, he does look like a man in a suit walking away, but like giant. Yeah. <laughs> uh, no. And obviously the effects are good. Occasionally it has some CG like fog that I think looks a bit iffy because I'm a bit I'm a bit sensitive to bad looking CG fog. I feel like it's overused in movies and TV, so it tends to stick out to me. But other than that, it looks very nice. Yeah. Um. It. I mean, it it sort of stays with the same style of the film the whole way through, though. Like we see it so much, it becomes part of the atmosphere. Like that, it's not that big of a deal to me. But I know what, I know what you're talking about. And I I, I was just looking because um, I don't have IMDb open because it's always a distraction. But I I wanted to see what else Gareth Edwards had done since or is going to do, and he's done nothing. <laughs> he's got like. Yeah, since Rogue One, and I, yeah. I was really surprised by that. Like, is he just so scarred, or is he just doing, like, producing now instead? And it was just too much for him. Like, the, I, the, the, I don't know. It's the, the stress it's of making really a Star disappointing because Wars... he's made such a great film. Like, why not make more? I don't know. I don't know. He really is like an exciting director. If he had a new project, honestly, looking at some of his other roles, uh. None of these, none of the things that he's done that have more than two things have anything else either since 2016. Uh, it seems like hmm. he's just out of the game right now. Maybe he's recuperating. Just maybe he had a kid <laughs> or something. Uh, the only thing he's done since 2016 is he actually had a cameo in The Last Jedi. <laughs> right, I remember that. And that's it. That, he's that's next the... to the it's salt guy. <laughs> That's the scene in the film where a guy I, tastes I, salt, and the person I, next to him is Gareth Edwards. <laughs> I vaguely remember this being a thing on, on the, at the end of that movie. Right. Um, Speaking of the yeah. end, I didn't, I didn't check. Is there an end credit scene? And this one, no. Okay. No. Kong Kong Skull Island has one at the very end of the credits, okay. but uh, this yeah. one did not. I'm glad I didn't turn it off too soon. Then. It's it's so funny actually that this was the start of the shared universe, but it took like four or five years for kong skull island and then we got them almost every year <laughs> once mm-hmm. we got to that point because they'd spent so long making godzilla king of the monsters that we got kong then we got king of the monsters and then godzilla versus king kong would have been last year it would have been a year later it, the only reason why it wasn't is because of the pandemic and yeah these are getting pumped out fast uh and this will be the end like godzilla versus king kong is the last one because the last one didn't do that well comparatively not enough to which is really going. surprising I mean, I'm. I guess not everybody loved this film, but I think, excuse me, this movie did do well, didn't it? Uh, this one did, yeah, it did well enough to get the sequel. It it wasn't like you know superhero numbers, but no, but like, and man, I, although I will admit, like King of the Monsters is not a, not a great film. It it may like just border on good, but man, those trailers were masterpieces. <laughs> the trailers for that movie were so good. Like I, I cannot believe that more people didn't go see it. Yeah, I, I guess people just either didn't like the last two movies that much enough, mm-hmm. or whatever. And the funny thing is, is that Godzilla vs King Kong, because it's Godzilla and King Kong, might actually have done better in the theaters. But of course, we're in a pandemic; they're going to HBO Max. They yeah. actually gauging how well they're doing is going to be tough for them to decide. So, I, I suspect we won't get another one, another film in this universe after that. To be fair, though, no at least... No Mothra spinoff? I, I doubt it. I, <laughs> I, I highly doubt it. <laughs> so, uh, but hey, we, we got, like, a Godzilla trilogy out of it. Uh, 
And it's all right, yeah. Yeah, hopefully that's that's enough. Yeah. That's, hopefully uh, it's good. The new one, yes. Hopefully the new one's good. Uh, I I I don't suspect it will be, but I'm hopeful. Well, it depends what you get from it because I, I would say King of the Monsters. Actually, no, I'm not going to say it because we're going to talk about that in a couple of weeks. So yeah, <laughs> I'm not going to say. Uh, but, but yes. Anyway, there you the go. highs in that movie are very high, but the lows are also pretty low. <laughs> yes, but they're they're kind of funny lows though. <laughs> oh sure, we'll see. Uh, it's, it's been a while since I watched it. Yeah, I don't know how else, how I feel now in a second viewing, but I don't think know. I've I, actually. I think I just saw it in the theater and that was it. So I'm I'm pretty excited to watch it again. Mm. Yeah. Obviously, before we get to that though, we we'll have Kong Skull Island first, um, mm-hmm. because that did come next, and uh, that was a film that I was mixed on. So I'm curious to see how I feel about it uh, this time. I was not so mixed on it. I didn't really like it that much. Yes, so. you, you were just That's straight it. in the negative. Yeah, I didn't like it. <laughs> well, we'll, 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 we'll see how we fare. Um, but, yes, Godzilla uh, 2014, I do think, is kind of special. And what it's very good at, it is extremely good at. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you can have legit complaints about it, but ultimately, I, I think it... Like, I, I still... I saw it multiple times in theaters. I think I saw it three times in theaters, so I say. Mm-hmm. Um, and I've seen it at least a few times at home now, and I, I still I still love it for all the same reasons I loved it the first time. Um, so with that said, Tara, would you like to rate Godzilla? I would. Okay. I do really love this film. I think it's um, I think it's one that's gonna age really really well. I know people like are mixed about it, but I think once the like the anticipation and the uh, of what is this new movie going to be and once that all all the brian cranston stuff is out of the way when people revisit it in the future they're gonna be like oh this is a spectacular film um way better than whatever it says on the websites if there's still websites in the future um <laughs> i don't know we watch sci-fi futures are always very different um anyway so i'm gonna go pretty high I'm gonna give it. I'm gonna give it a nine. I want to give it a nine point five, but I'm gonna give it a nine. Cause I don't. Th- there are some things that are not, you know, it's not perfect, but like, it's pretty close. <laughs> I really love it. The 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 highs that I get from watching the movie, just like God, I get so pumped. You know, it's such a ride. Yeah, I- I'm gonna look. Become a bit more lukewarm compared to you going that mm-hmm. high, because uh, I'm gonna give it. I'm gonna give it uh, an eight, uh, eight out of ten. And I'm being somewhat objective here because there are legitimate things that I think you can point at and say, this is a, a, an example of a weak character in a movie, or this is an example of a weak piece of storytelling here with this. If I what one minor that pick actually that I, I was thinking of during this movie is that uh, Sarah Zawa and Sally Hawkins show up. Uh, in the opening, uh, when they find like this nest, but what the the first Muto's left from the one that ends up causing the disaster in Japan, so that's 1999, and then they're around obviously for a lot of the present day stuff, right? And I feel like it, it doesn't it doesn't feel like they're in two different time periods. It feels like that scene with them at the start feels like it, it could it, it's it, I don't know, like I'm not sure what they could have done to make it feel like that's that's the end of the 90s, right? But it doesn't feel <laughs> separated to me in the movie. It feels like they're just if it, it feels like. The other stuff has a clear time jump because the little kid becomes Aaron Taylor Johnson, and that's your your tell. 
but mm -hmm. with their side of things it feels like it's a week later <laughs> so it feels, that is true yeah. yeah it feels like a little bit of a disconnect and it's just a i don't know i don't know what they could have done maybe given like sally hawkins a different haircut or something just to make it feel <laughs> some time has passed not give her a scrunchie yeah because those have come back now because i'm not saying that like they would have aged that much comparatively given their you know they're you know both kind of middle-aged like they don't won't change that much in 15 years at that point but like just do something yeah give her a scrunchie give her give her like a bright top because great colors were a thing in the 90s right <laughs> i don't know just something to make it feel different anyway uh that one eight out of ten i, I think it's a, a a great movie that is great at what it does and what it does is wonderful cinematography it makes the monsters feel big it makes them feel epic and larger than life and i do think the monster action when you do get it eventually is extremely good and i'm okay with the <laughs> teasing and i actively I, I actively have a good time with this cock teasing and this yeah uh and i laugh because i know other people are mad at it <laughs> yeah it makes you want more that's the whole point of it <laughs> yes so there you go um so it's not like a porno because in a porno you just fast forward to the good bits you don't sit through all the crap all right <laughs> oh, i'll take your word for it <laughs> please <laughs> um, <laughs> um, so there you go that is uh godzilla 2014 uh hopefully you had some fun with this conversation uh which was relatively all over the place um so uh and fyi i'm actually going to go back and when i when i edit this i'm going to edit out the we'll start spoiler free because i don't really think that first part was that spoiler free in hindsight so i'll just take that what are you talking about there's you a reason give anything away there's a reason why when we got to spoilers I didn't actually say we're going to do spoilers now because I'm like, you know, I think I'm going to edit that opening part out and it's just always going to have been spoilers. Alright. <laughs> Your mileage may vary as far as what you think is a spoiler or not, but I, I was I was getting pretty into it uh, in that opening part. Um, we did bring up the, the Mewtwo's pretty fast. Yeah. <laughs> yes. And that's because when I, when I edited the bit for the, the King Kong Godzilla review, uh, one of the, the problems with that little edited chunk was that because it was from the spoiler-free section, there were some things that we were actively avoiding talking about. And Tara might have pointed out that she sounded a bit silly at one point because she was avoiding <laughs> saying something. So I was letting it go a bit further for the sake of, oh, this will edit better later into a little thing. I see, I see. Okay. All right. Not, not to compromise the quality of the overall podcast. I, I think the overall podcast can handle a couple of little tweaks to how we talk to be more... Uh, I don't know. Like a buffet, so I can take parts of it and put it on a plate and say, hey, here's a satisfying plate on the buffet. But the whole buffet is there if you want the whole buffet. It's so funny the way you pronounce buffet. How do you say buffet? How do you say buffet? Buffet. Buffet. Like the hit television show Buffet the Vampires. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. The way you say it sounds silly to me. <laughs> oh! It sounds silly to you. Oh, okay. Hmm. Fine then. Is that going to be the word that they leave now? <laughs> oh, yes, yes. In the comments, you could put the word buffet. Tara's going to do a pose for the thumbnail. Tara, would you like to pose? Three. I suppose. Two. One. Pose. Oh, shit. 
<laughs> okay, one star review time. Let's just glance at these. And this is the user reviews on IMDb. Uh, the first one is utterly contemptible. Is the title of it. it? Says the film has no plot. There's a big paragraph though. I'm not gonna do that. Uh, the second one says this is a bad joke. Are you doing makeup? Something <laughs> in my eye. Okay. I need the mirror. <laughs> okay. Uh, so unprofessional. Um. Just awful's one title. Uh, one's titled "Did I See the Right Movie?" And oh, you love this one, even worse than the 1998 version. Whoa! Is one title. Uh, I hate that movie. <laughs> I'm going. I'm going to read this one for just for the shits and giggles. So this, this is one paragraph. Worst film ever. Save your money and don't go. Godzilla is only in the film for the maximum of ten minutes. The rest of the ninety minutes or so that I lost my life <laughs> to is filled with mediocre acting that was about as exciting as treading on an upturned plug with no shoes on. Upturned plug. Very specific. Yeah. Could I have said Lego or something like that? Really? Yeah, like Lego is universally yeah, like the plug. thing that hurts bare feet. Yeah. I got the impression <laughs> that the majority of the budget was spent on the sets and actors leaving effects for Godzilla to last, which resulted in having what? minimal screen time. <laughs> yeah, that's how they wrote the film. If they spent all the money and everything else, like, oh shit, we have no money to do Godzilla now. We'll just oh, have to... we forgot about our main star, Godzilla. Dang. Literally, up until the 70 minute mark, you only saw a tail and a few spines from his back. That's, that's not true. You see his face in the airport scene, so that's just factually incorrect. Uh, yeah. When a headshot finally materialized, it was only for a matter of seconds. I genuinely feel short-changed. I would strongly recommend that anyone planning to see the film should wait for it to come out on DVD. No. This is a definitely a great theatre experience. They're, they're all saying that there's not enough Godzilla and that it's boring. That's, that's the gist. Uh, hard disagree. There's 204 one-star reviews what? on IMDb out of 1,675. That's a reasonably high percentage, actually. Now that I think about it, uh, what's the uh, the average score on this bad boy? Six point four. Ooh, it's a bit low. It's a bit low, it's a bit low side for me. Right, so, uh, I can't believe. Uh, yeah, I I just don't I don't get it. Like the movie's just so exciting and I, I've like, never visually <laughs> like you can't take your eyes off it. It's great. Like there's a there's a wonderful scene that kind of. Uh, epitomizes how it's like how frustrating it could be but in a good way where like you're you're it's the scene on the bus so the perspective of the kids and they're all looking at the ocean and looking at all the ships and stuff because they're looking for godzilla and i found myself like leaning into the screen like do i see him do i see him and then boom bird <laughs> because you're so like where is he like the whole movie you're just like searching for him then it is a moment for like a jump scare which Maybe it's silly, but I thought it was kind of a a cute moment because everyone knows is we've only got little bits of Godzilla that we're going to be like looking very carefully to what we can see. <laughs> ah, I think it's fantastic. I've never written a review in IMDb before, but I do have an account, <laughs> so I'm going to review Godzilla. Give it ten stars, and can you guess what the title of that review is going to be? Everyone's wrong. I don't know. No, I enjoyed the cock teasies in this film. Oh yeah, yeah, <laughs> that's what the movie is. 
<laughs> it's great. All right, there you go. That's uh, Godzilla 2014. Thank you very much for joining us. Uh, we mentioned Patreon earlier. Of course, you can also support us by liking, subscribing. These are very useful on YouTube. Uh, they help the algorithm, the dreaded algorithm, which is a complete stranglehold on how everyone is and how, how successful YouTube channels are. So please do interact with the like button and comment and subscribe, all those things. Uh, and of course, uh, that's pretty much it. Uh, Tara, would you like to promote anything else that we uh, we currently do? Um, yeah, if you enjoy epic science fiction long-form storytelling, please check out our reviews of Babylon 5. If you're unfamiliar, Babylon 5 is now available on HBO Max, so you can watch along with us. We're just getting into Season 2. And, uh, yeah, so catch up. Yeah. Thanks. <laughs> Whereas the, the rival service uh, from Paramount, which is Par Paramount Zero, uh, has Star Trek Deep Space Nine instead. Mm. That was Paramount a joke. Zero, isn't it? Paramount Plus. Yes, it was a joke oh. because of Pepsi Max and Coke Zero. Oh, I see. <laughs> Bit of a stretch. Uh, it's okay. <laughs> All right, that's us, guys. Thank you very much for joining us. Uh, we always appreciate it. Keep watching science fiction and computer at Salsa. Right.